he knows, he knows that um, the clock is ticking. He's, he's um, 30 years old. He's beginning his ministry, and we know that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. He was born to die. And uh, so uh, knowing that, um, we begin his ministry today and, and see what Jesus started with. So if you've got your Bibles today, uh, turn to Matthew, the, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And this is the, the record of Jesus' 40 days that he spends in the wilderness uh, being tempted uh, by the devil. He fasts for 40 days. It's interesting, when Jesus, if you know this passage of Scripture, quotes the Word of God to Satan on all three temptations that he receives. And the, the quotes that he gives the devil is from Deuteronomy, which was from the 40 years in the wilderness when God's people were disobeying God. And so when God's people were disobeying God for 40 years in the wilderness, Jesus uses the Word of God and obeys the Father and reverses the 40 years in the wilderness with these 40 days uh, of temptation uh, in, in the desert. So just, just to give you a little uh, context for this, Jesus has just been baptized. One of the really exciting passages of Scripture we find at the end of Matthew chapter 3, where John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And how cool would this be? He's baptized, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit lands on him like a dove. I, I, would that be cool at your baptism if, you know, if, if a dove just kind of lighted on you like the Holy Spirit? And then if that wasn't enough, the heavens open and uh, a voice booms from heaven that says, uh, I'll just put it in modern English, that's my boy. It says, this is my beloved son, and I'm so pleased with him. Now, now I think when that happens, the heavens open, the voice of the Father comes down, and a dove lights on your, on your shoulder. It's time to go to Disneyland, right? I mean, I think, you know, after a baptism like that, it's time to celebrate. It's time for a party. And so we, we're going to see what happens to Jesus immediately after his baptism, beginning in verse 1. One of uh, chapter uh, 4 of Matthew. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's a mouthful right there. It's not that Jesus and the devil happened to be in the same place at the same time. It says that the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God... Now, remember, at the end of Matthew chapter 3, the voice from heaven just said, This is my beloved Son. This is the Son of God. And so now the tempter says, if you are the Son of God, and in the Greek it really has the sense of since you're the Son of God, since you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, people don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, now he's correcting what happened in the wilderness when the people were complaining for manna. God, give us bread, give us bread, give us bread. 
And he's quoting from Deuteronomy. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are, since you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he'll command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands and you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And all this I will give you. He said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels came and ministered to him. Let me just tell you what this passage of Scripture is not. This, this, this passage of Scripture is not a how-to of how to defeat the devil. This, this passage isn't, you know, in, in case the Holy Spirit leads you into the wilderness to face the devil, here's how you do it. And, and the reason I say that this morning is because if you're like me this morning, you have faced the devil before. And I don't know about you, but I've not come out on the right hand of that fight. In other words, in, in my encounters with the evil one, I have not fared as well as Jesus did. In fact, the only other place in the Bible that I can find this kind of conversation with the devil going on is in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, when, when Adam and Eve are, are tempted by the devil... And as you know, the devil wins that battle and they end up east of Eden. Jesus comes back in Matthew chapter 4 and faces the devil and defeats the devil. And I just want to confess at the opening of this message today that I am more like the victim of Genesis 3 than the victor of Matthew 4. That my life more mimics Adam and Eve's story. This is not about how to do it in the desert. This is a story that the more that I studied it and the more that I read it just caused me to stand back and look at Jesus and say, wow, how amazing that Jesus is that he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And one of the reasons that I say this isn't a how-to about what to do when, when the Holy Spirit leads you into to face the devil is because two chapters later, Jesus teaches us how to pray. Remember when he teaches us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It almost seems to me that Jesus is saying, he's teaching us to pray, don't ask for this. Have you ever watched a great magician and, 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 and he does, or maybe somebody who does some, some jump off a skyscraper and, and what do they always tell you? Don't try this at home. Right? This is what I want to say about this passage of Scripture. 
don't, you, you, we used to sing some arrogant songs about the devil. I command you, Satan, in the name of the Lord, you pick up your weapons and flee, you know. For God has given me authority to walk all over thee. You, you know, I, I, I've, I've gotten a little different as I've gotten older in life, you know. I don't go asking for it with the devil anymore. I'm not asking for, for demonic confrontations where I can put him under my feet because, frankly, I'm more like Adam and Eve than I am like Jesus. Adam and Eve sold their souls in Genesis chapter 3. They traded an eternity with God in the Garden of Eden for a, for, for a, a, life, a short lifetime that was filled with pain. They traded a sensational piece of fruit for the reality of walking with God in the cool of the day every day. The devil is wanting to derail Jesus. The devil is wanting to derail. If I can derail Jesus before his ministry begins, he's wanting to derail. You know, this comes, we think it comes at a vulnerable time because Jesus is on a 40-day fast. Now, when I read this passage of Scripture, it almost seems funny. It's like, and Jesus fasted 40 days, and afterwards he was hungry. No kidding. But the truth of the matter is, if you've ever studied about fasting or if you've ever done an extended fast, the truth of the matter is when you do an extended fast, you're really only hungry for about the first three to five days of an extended fast, if you were to fast for 40 days. And, and what that initial hunger is, is because our bodies are like spoiled children, and they know what time you normally feed them, and so when it's, if, if the pastor preaches too long, and I start getting into lunchtime, your little stomach's going to say, pizza, 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 you know, that something's going to go off inside of you that, that tells you you're hungry. It's not real hunger, okay, no one's dying out there, okay, it's just a little fake alarm clock that you have in you, but what happens is, if you ignored that alarm clock for about five days, that alarm clock would eventually shut off. And so you're not really hungry. So for most of Jesus' fast, he's not hungry. But now at the end of an extended fast, between 35 and 40 days, scientists tell us that your body gets hungry again. And when your body gets hungry again, you better eat. Because when your body gets hungry again, it means that all of your reserves have been used up, and now your body is going to start feeding on itself. In other words, your body is going to start eating off of its vital organs if you fast much longer. And so that's why you really, uh, 40 days is about the extent that, that anybody should ever go when it comes to, 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 to staying away from food. And you shouldn't do that uh, unless you're called to do so. But... Uh, but so Jesus, it's not a fake thing when it says afterwards he was hungry. So Jesus is now to that 40-day time when that second hunger has kicked in and he's realizing that it's time to eat. And, and the first thing that, that the devil tempts him with, it says, since you're the Son of God, if you're the Son of God, Make these stones bread. And, and, and I just tried to put it in, in modern vernacular and, and I put it this way. Sell your, he's wanting Jesus to sell his soul. Sell your soul for stuff. Sell your soul for bread, Jesus, because, you know, if you're the Son of God, 
You shouldn't lack anything. I mean, you, whenever you want anything, and I was thinking, you know, if, I, if it was me, I would, be, I would be tempted to make it into a, a Panera um, a cinnamon crisp bagel with hazelnut cream cheese on top of it. How I many you know what I'm talking about this morning? You, you know what I'm saying? That, 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 that is, Jesus is, is, is being tempted to make these stones into bread. He, the temptation is, if you could just... Jesus, you, you, there should be no stuff that you're without. I mean, what kind of God would allow himself to be without stuff? By the way, when I hear that, I think about, I think about things that people say, especially people who are not believers, and I hear them say things like, you know, how could a loving God, dot, dot, dot. How many have ever heard that say? How could a, how could a or an all-powerful God, how could an all-powerful God allow people to be in third-world countries and they're, they're starving, and, and how could an all-powerful God allow? And, and I almost hear the devil saying this. If you're so powerful, how could an all-powerful God allow yourself, you've been fasting for 40 days, you haven't eaten, and, and, and you, could, you, could make, you could make a feast out of these rocks here. How, how are you going to allow this uh, to happen? I think this is an important thing for us to realize for those of us that are on the journey of life and that, and that, and that there's times when, when we are without and we, and we have lack. And Jesus says something that is so important here this morning, and, and, and I think it's what sets believers apart. You see, Jesus doesn't give in to the myth that, that life consists of stuff, but he said, man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, what he's saying is, he's saying, Satan, there's, there's bread to eat that you don't know anything about. In fact, Jesus would later call himself the bread of heaven. And, and this is the bread that came down from heaven. And one time he says to his followers uh, that, that are hungry, he says, I've got meat to eat that you don't know anything about. And what I want to say to us this morning, congregation, is that, is that what Jesus is saying here is that there's more to life than just stuff. That, that when all of the stuff is gone, the Bible says, that when heaven and earth have passed away, that His Word will never pass away. There's something that's more than stuff. There's, some, there's something eternity. There's something, you know, even those people that are in third world countries and they're dying. Let me tell you, it's sad that they're dying. But can I tell you that there's more to life than just that. And if you're dying in a third world country and you've got Jesus in your heart, you're rich. How could an all-powerful God... So we're tempted. We're tempted to trade it for stuff. I, I remember, you know, growing up in the church, and my dad was a pastor, and we didn't have much stuff. In fact, when when I was a kid, my dad had kidney disease, and uh, uh, he, you know, he he needed a kidney transplant, and he planted a church. He planted a, and the only reason he planted a church because he wasn't so spiritual. No one else would hire him. Who's going to hire a guy that's uh, that's got terminal? You know, a terminal uh, disease. At that time, kidney transplants were brand new. They were very experimental. And uh, my dad used to preach sitting down. I remember that. And I found out later in life that we were on food stamps during that time of our lives. I, didn't, I had no idea that we were on food stamps. My parents always treated us with dignity, and, and we, never, 
We never, we never felt that, but I found out late. And so, you know, that, that kind of informed me growing up. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to live for Jesus. But I'd sure like a lot of stuff. <laughs> and, and so, I, I, you know, I, I, I felt called to ministry when I was a kid, but I pushed that aside during high school and college because I thought, and, and I wanted to major in something uh, that would, would, and I'm not proud of what I'm telling you this morning because I'm sure I'm the only one in this room that's ever done this. But I opted for stuff. I, I, I said, you know, I just want to go for a job that's going to get me a lot of money. I'll go to church. I'll even pay my tithes. But I don't want to live the way that we lived growing up without much stuff. And, uh, and, and that was all good until one of my best friends from high school went on a mission trip to Kenya. She, she uh, left college uh, for just a semester, and while she was there, she contracted malaria, and this wonderful singer, bright, intelligent girl, she, she gave her life on the mission field, and there were people around saying, what a waste, and I remember rebelling against that statement, and I said, this is not a waste. Her life was not a waste, and at her memorial service, I, I recommitted my life to Jesus Christ, and I went into the ministry, and I've been getting rid of stuff ever since. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It, it's, not, it's not about stuff. Would you sell your soul for stuff? And then the second thing that he, he tempts Jesus with, he takes him up on the highest point of the temple you know think about that in that day it'd be like you know going to the the highest skyscraper it was the biggest place in the city he takes him on the high the pinnacle of the temple it's in the highest part of the city look down you can see everything hey jesus what do you say let's try you you're the son of god how about you say let's fly you know, just, just throw yourself off of this temple. And, you know, you're God. You can do that. You, you got all that in you. And just go for a spit. It's going to be a thrill. It's going to be fun. And, you know, right before you get to the bottom, just, just freak everybody out. Let them watch you like, ah! And then at the last second, just have some angels coming. And they won't even let you dash your foot against the stone. That's going to be awesome. And, 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 and he wants him to sell his soul for stimulation, to, 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 you know, for something that, 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 you know, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, that fruit looks so good. It, it, something, it, it's, it's something that stimulates you, something, you know, you know, kids, you know, sex is the greatest thing in the whole world, the devil will tell you. It's the best. You know, if you just... People that drink beer are so happy, and the more they drink, the happier they are. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I just lost my crowd. I don't know where all of you went today, but yet, you know what I'm saying this morning? That, that, that the world's got, this, the world's got this, this thing that it's selling us that, oh, it's so wonderful! Sell your, sell your soul for for stimulation, you know, and, and, and I remember in college, you know, I'm not proud of this. I, I, I had a college buddy, a church buddy, that called me, and, and we were depressed because all of our friends just seemed like they were having a... He said, what if we just go out and have a fun night, a fun worldly night, a night on the world? I'm not going to tell you what we did. None of your business. But anyway, uh, but we did, and, and you know what? It was, it, they lied. They lied to me, Eulen. 
you know, I've been, how many of you feel like you were cursed because you were brought up a Christian? I've been cursed. You know why I've been cursed? Because sin is not as fun as it's ever supposed to be. And the reason I say that is because once you've been in the presence of God, you and once you've been in what we were in this morning when we were asking the Shekinah glory of God to come down in this place, everything else is just a pretender. There's nothing that can satisfy your soul like Jesus can satisfy your soul. And, and so he's saying, you know, Satan, you know, you, or Jesus, you know, for, what, what are you doing? You're the Son of God. Why are you going? Why, why are you walking around? Why are you walking to the next city? Why don't you just transport? You know, you don't, what are walls to you? Go through walls. Do all of that stuff. And Jesus could have done all that and he could have left all of us behind. But Jesus opted for reality, didn't he? He opted for living a real life and going hungry and, 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 at, and walking and, and not going through walls and not jumping off buildings and, and not going through the stimulation. And I'm, I'm ashamed to tell you that, that, that you know, I've, I've sold my soul for stuff and I've sold my soul for stimulation. And then, and then, um, and then he said, you know what, Jesus? He said, you know, I know, Jesus, you know the clock's ticking. It's not going to be pretty at the end, Jesus. But what do you say, Jesus? Let me just show you the kingdoms of this world. Because Second Corinthians says that, 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 that the devil is the prince of this world. That, that he's the ruler of, of this world. And... And he says, you know what, Jesus? How about I just give it all to you? I, I just want one thing. Just, just bow down to me. Just bow down to me. No one's looking. Just me and you. I won't tell anybody. Just bow down to me and I'll, I'll, I'll just give you the whole world. I'll give, you, I'll give you everything that you can see. It's all yours, Jesus. No. And you know, so Jesus is thinking, let's see. Bow down to Satan or die on a cross while people are pounding nails in my hands and uh, being beaten and being flogged. You, you know, I could, I could have a shortcut here. I, I could have a shortcut here. And, and Satan tries to get Jesus to sell his soul for a shortcut. And, and I was thinking about, I was thinking as I read this, how tempted I am, Daniel, to take a shortcut, you know. Can I just be transparent this morning? You know, I, I really, well, I think we're kind of a pretty cool church. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I like our worship, and I like, preaching's okay, you know, all that. <laughs> I just, you know, I just kind of, I'd just like if God would just dump a thousand people on us. Yeah. What's a thousand people to you, God? Just give us a thousand, you know. I'll be happy there. Instant church. I'd, I'd love to have a little instant church, you know. Little, just add water. <laughs> you know, just, just, add, just add water. Just, just show up and people come. If we build it, they will come, right? How many know? How many know that? Um, and I was talking to Wes about this yesterday, you know. And I was talking about 
the honesty of when we first launched this church, just thinking, man, man, we might be, we better open up those balconies, you know, and everything's going to, my goodness, we've been here five months. My kid didn't grow up overnight. Thank you very much. Am I spitting? Usually people bring me water when I start spitting. You know, God, could there could there be a shortcut? Is there a is there some you know you know where we don't have to go through the stuff like having to meet people and getting to know them and actually disciple them and you know people are messy. You know what I'm talking about? All that kind of just just have great church, just instant church, and and you know that's what that's what the devil's kind of saying to Jesus. You know what? I'm offering you uncontested victory. I'm offering you victory without a contest. Can I just tell you that that no victory is worth it without a contest? You, you know that 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 I'm just going to tell you this morning. You're going to have to if you're going to raise your family for Jesus. You're going to have to fight for your family. If you're going to make it as a Christian, and I'm just telling you, this shortcut Christianity, you know, I come to church once a month and it's such a burden for me. There's this short, you know, all of this kind of shortcut mentality that, you know, there's some, there's some kind, we're raising, I don't know what, what we're raising today, but it's this, shortcut mentality and and, and the devil's offering Jesus a a shortcut. Can I just say in the Christian world that there's a lot of theology out there that I would call shortcut theology. In fact, Martin Luther called it a theology theology of, of glory versus a theology of the cross. A theology of glory is is a theology that kind of skips the cross. It, It minimizes suffering. In fact, Billy Graham's uh, grandson, Tulian uh, Chavidian, uh, has just written a book called Glorious Ruin, How Suffering Sets You Free. And he says this about theologies of glory. Theologies of glory are approaches to Christianity and to life that try in various ways to minimize difficult and painful things or to move past them rather than looking them square in the face and accepting them. Theologies of glory acknowledge the cross, but view it primarily as a means to an end, an unpleasant but necessary stop on the way to personal improvement, the transformation of human potential. As Luther puts it, the theology of glory does not know God hidden in suffering. Those with the theology of glory prefer works to suffering. They prefer glory to the cross, strength to weakness, wisdom to folly, in general, good to evil. The theology of glory is the natural default setting for human beings addicted to control and measurement. And can I just tell you, Life Church today, God's going to do great things and He's already doing great things at, at Life Church, but it's not going to be without the cross. It's not going to be without challenge. It's not going to be without suffering. It's not going to be without pain. It's not going to be without going through the stuff. It's not going to be without people disappointing you. It's not going to be without me disappointing you. It's not going to be without all of those things. All of those things are going to be are, are going to have to be there because because if you're going to become what God wants us to come, the fight always has to precede the victory. And so he's offering the devil a theology of glory. And so in the garden, in the garden in Genesis 
chapter 3, Satan appeals to um, the physical appetite. You may eat of the tree. In Matthew 4, he appeals to physical appetite. You may eat by changing stones to bread. In, in Genesis chapter 3, he appeals to Adam and Eve with an appeal to personal gain. You'll not die. If you eat this, you'll not die. And then he says to Matt, in Matthew, you'll not hurt your foot. You're not gonna, it's not going to hurt you, Jesus. And then in uh, Genesis chapter 3, he appeals to power and glory. You will be like God, he says to Adam and Eve. And then to Jesus, he says, you will have all the world's kingdoms. And in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, we, we, we fail miserably. And in Matthew 4, Jesus gets the victory. So, so what's, this, what's this Matthew 4 all about if this is not a lesson on how to fight the devil? Can I, can I just say that, that, that uh, if you're part of the human family and you're past the age of accountability, you've, you've sold your soul. But Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, at the beginning of his bucket list, he's going to the cross, but at the very beginning, he faces all of the things that we're going to face and he reverses it. So here's what I want to say. We sold our soul, but Jesus bought it back. Amen. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is doing in those 40 days. So, so when I look at Jesus in the wilderness, I don't want to say, come on, devil, I want to take you on like that. I just want to say, you're, you're my hero, Jesus. You're, you, you, I just look at it with wonder and awe of what he did for me there. And so here's what I would say to you about you and the devil. Just stay away. Steer clear. Jesus taught you to pray. When you pray, don't ask, don't ask for de- demonic encounters. If you feel like you're being tempted by stuff, just know that, you're, that, that the devil's close by. If you're being tempted by stimulation, the devil's close by. If you're being tempted to take a shortcut, the devil's close by. And what you do is you look to Jesus. You put your trust in Jesus, the one who did it for you, the one who... And, and, and when you fail, 